every era has its sound mm -hmm. in every format, right? Mm -hmm. You turn on the 90s channel of Sirius XM mm -hmm. and you hear a sound yep. that defined that era. Mm -hmm. And it, every era has, every format has had that. And right now there's a sound mm -hmm. in pop music. There's a sound in country. There's a sound in hip hop. There's certainly a sound in CCM. And that's what listeners like right now. Mm -hmm. So the trick is to make sure there is that sound being covered, but you're overlaying what you hope is the uniqueness of that artist mm -hmm. on top of that sound. You're listening to For The Record, conversations about music, mixing, and the creative industry. Today we are at Centricity Music with John Mays and Steve Ford. Hello. Hello. Hey. hello. And hello, Kurt, also Kurt. chilling in the background. Again. There Appreciate you. Um, thank you so much for coming on and um, welcoming us into your whole operation. Glad to have you here. Um, yeah. yeah. So as we said off camera, you don't like bragging on yourself and you also don't like bragging on yourself. No. Well, I was so. kidding. I, I love bragging on myself, actually. <laughs> okay, well, no, no, I mean, no. you know, if you don't mind, no. just telling a little bit about who you are, or if you feel more comfortable, John, sure. telling me about who Steve <laughs> yeah. is. We, you know. we could tell each other's stories. <laughs> Probably. But, uh, uh, I grew up in a small town in West Texas, uh, kind of the music kid at my church, and uh, that led to meeting some guys and starting a band and out in Texas. Mm -hmm. That band opened for another band that was based out of Nashville. Uh, and this is back in the late 70s. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what got me to Nashville, though, and um, had a season after I got here of uh, touring as a bass player. Okay. And that sort of led to a season of just session playing, playing on records here. Mm -hmm. And during that time, got more into uh, production, indie production yeah. and songwriting. Uh, some of that work that I did made its way to a guy who was running Word Records at that time. So this is like 87 now. Mm -hmm. And uh, his name is Neil Joseph, still a good friend. And Neil hired me into my first A&R position in 87. Okay. So I was there at Word for eight years, moved to another label called Sparrow for three, another label called Benson for two and a half. And... Uh, Benson was happening at the time of a lot of calamity in the music business when file sharing had just started up. And mm -hmm. uh, I think Napster came along in 99. Yeah. And none of us knew it, but it was the beginning of the end of the music business as we had known it mm -hmm. and as we had worked in it all those years. Mm -hmm. uh, and by 2001 or two, it was, the effects of it were really starting to show up with labels shutting down and, and mm -hmm. staffs getting laid off all over the place. So, uh, it was during that time that I was contacted by a family in Seattle and uh, that we can go into more of this later if you want to, but that was sure. the birthing of Centricity. Okay. Sort of around 2002, 2003, our official first releases were uh, in 2006. So okay. that's kind of the one we use as our official start date mm -hmm. and we're still around. So you, you were one of the founders of Centricity Music. Yeah. Yeah. Employee number one right there. Employee number one. <laughs> yeah. So your official role now um, is what, what kind of... Head of Okay. Cool, yeah. Cool. Fun, fun. Yeah. And he's been like the iconic A&R guy since 
he's been in the business. I mean, mm -hmm. he's had so many hits and signed so many great, great artists. So the Beatles, this, yeah, mm -hmm. really, Elvis. <laughs> no, uh, I was no, like, no, for a second, second really? for like a <laughs> millisecond, <laughs> I was like, hold on. I, you know, it took a second for my brain to compute that. There's no okay. way. <laughs> Just a second, though. Right. He looks amazingly good considering yeah. what he's yeah. been yeah. through. Yeah. Well, I, was, I was four when I saw yeah, him. Yeah, he's that, 90. So. He's really good. Right. Well, the school, well, look great. I'll brag at him because the cool thing for me is I used to attend these conferences in Estes Park, music conferences. Oh, yeah. This was 35 years ago. Yeah. And I'd see John up there, and I had no idea who he was, but I was in Chicago, mm -hmm. and like, ooh, he's... He's somebody big from Nashville, and you'd kind of bump into these artists, and wow, I lift, I listened to that. And it was, it was cool for us that weren't down here. Yeah. And so years later, well, 18 years ago, you know, I moved down here, and he's handing me a bulletin at our church, and I'm like, that's, that's the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, and that's the well, thing about. Look what's yeah. happened to him. Yeah, I that's felt so sorry sad. for him. Uh, yeah. No, and that's the amazing thing down here is you just, you're just always running into. It's not that, it's a smaller community than you think it is. Yeah. yeah. You know, everybody knows each other and. Absolutely. And yeah, so I mean, we've known each other ever since down here, but it's like, yeah, that was that guy from way back then. And yeah. Yeah. Huh. So. That's dope. And Steve, yeah. oh, man. first of all, Hello. Hi. You know, it was nice to meet you like five minutes ago. Ten yeah, minutes ago. yeah, we're we're like this. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But by the end of this, oh, we'll be like closer. at least here. Yeah. You yeah. know. Uh, so, what is your role with Centricity? I'm general manager of of Centricity. Uh, actually, John brought me in. Okay. From uh, another label, so I'm employed. I I don't know if I'm two or three. Two. Yeah. But employee yeah. two. So. We've been we've been pushing this rock for for 16 years together, wow. and it's been a lot of fun and a lot of frustration and normal record label stuff, you know. Yeah. So starting out, what's the process in starting a record label? Like, there's yeah. probably a whole lot of challenges, and even probably then, like, there's this feeling of well, that already exists. A lot of people are doing that. What makes yeah. you different? Yeah. And what was that process? Yeah, that's a great point because. All labels basically do the same thing, you know. At the bottom line, you're trying to sign artists and get music recorded and get it marketed and distributed. But mm. uh, starting Centricity was the first opportunity I'd ever had to get to ask questions like, well, how could we do that differently? How could we mm. do those things but do it uniquely in the mm -hmm. marketplace in a way that made us different and unique? So those years between like 02 and 06 were a lot of asking those questions and sort of mm -hmm. working on a mission statement and some values and things like that and just getting to ask questions like why are we doing this how are we going to do it mm -hmm. how are we going to do it differently uh, was such a well I, it was a joy to get to do but also a super challenge you know mm -hmm. to come up with answers for that and i should probably say that this family in seattle uh he's a a tech guy. He's, okay. you know, inv made investments in all kinds of tech, mm -hmm. but not music tech at all. And then they have a lady that's worked for them for years who was kind of their financial person and oversaw their businesses and, mm -hmm. and investments. And that's, that's who we report to. That's our boss. Okay. Mm -hmm. And she had never been around music at all. So mm -hmm. there was a little bit of a dynamic of helping them understand the music business mm -hmm. and especially for Karen 
who is really smart in business deals and investments, but that's a whole different thing for mm -hmm. the music biz, right? You know, uh, and a lot of things that just didn't make sense to her mm -hmm. uh, in the way that they're done. But she learned really fast. Yeah, she, she yeah. Does. So, uh, you know, obviously some challenges, but uh, really it was a, a, a total gift to get to like do something from scratch. You know. Yeah. But one thing, uh, I having only done really A and R all those years. Uh, I was realizing really fast that I had no expertise in marketing mm -hmm. uh, and distribution, mm -hmm. things that are vitally important, you know, right. to a label. Yeah. And uh, as soon as it was possible, like talking to Karen and the Lumrys, like, could we bring someone in who knows how to do that stuff? Right. And uh, this was the guy I knew if I could possibly get, I wanted to. Mm -hmm. And we had known each other for years, but yeah. had never worked together. Had actually crisscrossed at different labels. So sorry. <laughs> okay. uh, and uh, uh, we had lunch one day and I told him about it and uh, asked if he would be crazy enough to come do this. And yeah. he finally said, yeah. After much convincing, there was a, there was a horse head in my bed at one point, <laughs> but I ended up coming. Yeah. <laughs> one of, one of my favorite stories with John is when he was, when the family was talking about starting a record label, one of the things he said to him, especially this was 2003, 2004. Things are bad. Yeah. I mean, this was, this was when the music industry was the airplane crashing into the earth. Yeah. You know, cause because of Napster, and then you know, 2005 when when iTunes started ramping up and all of that, and instead of ten dollars, you're dealing with 99 cents and all mm -hmm. of these things. And he said, basically, take your money to Las Vegas, so you get a better return on investment. <laughs> and yeah. and luckily, the family said, no, we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it's been a. Luckily, he was very patient. He loved what we did. Yeah. You know, uh, you've heard me say it a bunch of times, but. For a long time, luckily, we were not a, a large source of income for him, mm -hmm. but we were a large source of joy for that mm -hmm. family. And, and he loved what we he He would be the guy texting us going, hey, did you see that new video? And we'd look at each other and go, there's a new video up? You know, <laughs> he'd find it before we would if one of our artists. Yeah. And he, he kept, he would rejoice when our, one of our first uh, artists got a number one inspo song. Okay. which is basically like a niche of a niche of a niche type of thing. Mm -hmm. He rejoiced so much over that. Yeah. And we were like, eh, it's an inspo, yeah. you know, and he yeah. was just so excited that music that we worked on, God blessed and mm -hmm. is what impacting lives out there. Yeah. One of our favorite stories along that line is, I don't remember the song, but you know, when Steve came on, it was like, this is how you release a single. This is how mm -hmm. you have to promote it. Yeah. This is who it goes to, all that stuff. And so we actually, whatever the single was on whatever artist, we actually was a, our first shot at really doing a single the right way, you know, mm -hmm. and nothing really came of it. I mean, we got two or three ads and we were kind of like, well, we need to tell the Lumrys, you know, it's, it's not going to work. And we, I, maybe we had ads in Des Moines. I'm making this up. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, Phoenix and, and Buffalo. I don't know. Right. But he's like, they're playing the song in that town. And we said, well, yeah. And he said, that's then what can we do? Like, that's exciting <laughs> yeah. that, that anybody was playing the song. Mm -hmm. So that gives you a little bit of perspective on, yeah. uh, really, that was a gift to us, you know, to, for a, um, 
a man like that who's made his living as an investor and a, a, mm -hmm. an entrepreneur really yeah to take such joy mm -hmm. in the smallest things like something to us was a total failure mm -hmm. to him was like a great opportunity let's can we go to buffalo and, and play a concert up there <laughs> you know yeah so uh, he just kind of wouldn't take any pessimism from us about well, it. And I think that optimism is really important. I feel like oh optimism and like being driven, we were kind of talking about this earlier, Kurt, is almost as important or as on par with like talent and skill and ability. Because if you're driven to do something and you're, you have the right uh, motivation and like you see the world through a lens of, no, these are good things and we're going to keep going. I think that's going to bring about as much success yeah. as if you were just oh, the yeah. best person, like skillfully in the room. I mean, you just described him. Yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah. So who who's your top artist right now that people might be familiar with? Uh, are, are we including the Beatles or not? Yeah, probably not. We'll allow the Beatles. Lauren Daigle, soloist here. And how much of that is just magic in the air versus what you did? That's a great question mm -hmm. because uh, since Lauren has become popular, we do get a lot of uh and it's sincere kindness of uh hey great job on lauren you guys have done a great job congratulations and there's kind of something like if that was all about us doing a great job we do it on everybody right <laughs> like there's uh there's an element of kind of certainly for for these guys like blocking and tackling the things that you always do to set up a release and try to let people know about it and tell the story of the artist mm -hmm. but Beyond that, there's like a, a God factor, right, of what mm -hmm. he decides he's going to do with it. And certainly in Lauren's case, it's been so far beyond anything that we could have planned or, or done ourselves. So we kind of have to guard against now, like people coming in and wanting us to do the Lauren thing. Yeah, with them. give us that treatment. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, and we, you know, we have those conversations a lot and yeah. just have to be careful to say, hey, you know, that we want to be as honest with you as we can yeah we did work we have worked hard on that but we've worked harder on other things that never got any traction you know those are the hard things how did stuff with lauren start off like how did it yeah because has she only been with you guys mm -hmm. uh-huh okay yeah. she was a student at lsu uh, gosh we could go down another trail here of these retreats that we do mm -hmm. we've Centricity, in a way, was birthed out of a retreat that we held up in Washington, a uh, gathering of independent artists where we get together and we do some writing, but we also do some sessions on just how the industry works and mm -hmm. there's a ministry aspect to it. But uh, we started doing those every year. Yeah, I think the first one we did was like in 03 or something. So we did them every year up until it was too big to manage to, to, to do them every year because yeah. as our staff, our whole staff goes up for them as mm -hmm. well. So we started doing them every other year. Mm -hmm. But uh, we were doing one in 2012 and I had invited a band called The Assembly, which was a band out of Baton Rouge. Okay. And uh, they had a CD, you know, their indie CD. And mm -hmm. on the second track of their indie CD, there's a girl voice featured on there. Mm -hmm. And we we needed another girl. We try to, you know, balance out males and females and bands and married couples and all mm -hmm. this kind of thing. So I just asked them about who it was and they, you know, said Lauren, she's a student at LSU and she sings some on our praise team at church and sings with us sometimes. She had been on Idol 
I think twice at that point. Oh. But uh, had never, you know, I think. Never risen past the top 20. Yeah. She never oh. made it into the finals. Interesting. Yeah. What's funny is now they put their arm around her and go, she's one of ours. Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but we didn't even know that for, mm, yeah. for a while. Mm. So got in touch with her folks. She was 20 or 21. Mm -hmm. uh, talked to her and invited her up. And she was like, sure, I'll come. Mm. But she had never really written a song. Really? Never performed anywhere other than on this praise team or anything. So it was a little bit of a long shot. Just generally, most of the people we invite have more going on than that. Mm -hmm. Not always, but generally. Yeah. So here's a fun story that we tell all the time with Lauren. Uh, you want to tell it? I'm talking a lot. Well, you go ahead. You can take it from yeah, here. Yeah, the assembly. What we do on these retreats is they drive up on Friday morning. Mm -hmm. where We start our thing on Friday night. Um, on Sunday, we do. They Everybody plays a song or two mm -hmm. for everybody else, so they end up knowing who what they sound like and mm -hmm. you know what they're musically. Yeah. And on Friday night, the lead singer of the assembly went to John and said, I don't feel very well. Can I just lay down on the couch upstairs? No problem. Next day was the hospital run for him to go to the hospital the next day, which mm. the nearest hospital is about two hours away. Oh, and he had his appendix out. <laughs> his appendix had ruptured. Yeah. Jeez. Up in the middle of nowhere, Washington. Yeah. You know, if, if I was his, his parents, I'd be freaking out. And so the band went to Lauren, this background singer that none of us had really known. Or, you know, we heard her one song, one, uh, singing backgrounds on a song. Mm -hmm. And said, "Hey, can you guy, can you sing leads for us tomorrow at, at this little? We don't like to call it showcase, but right. this little." And she sang, and all of us. I think we're a bunch of us were standing in the back of the room watching. We were going, "Oh my gosh," because mm -hmm. she was so good. She was. She's born to be on that stage. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I, I like to say that watching Lauren sing on stage is like watching Michael Jordan play basketball. Hmm. It's like, this is what that person was created to do. Yeah. And she's just, I, I've never seen an artist from just so at ease standing on that stage. Hmm. She, she's great. Well, what was funny, though, was going to the assembly who were like, well, fine, now we don't have our lead singer, and we're yeah. here up here with this label. <laughs> and like, well, Lauren's up here. Could she just sing some of the praise songs you guys do? Yeah. Oh, I guess, mm. you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, and, of course, really we never... We never did anything with the assembly. Yeah. They finally <laughs> we started broke up. A, we started a fund for them for therapy. Yeah, you know, because right. <laughs> but I'm sure they would take the credit for us uh, yeah. more. And right. And, oh, yeah. You know, we were we were Lauren's first band. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. I've got a question because yeah. I well, I'm kind of taking over. No, no, no. Please. I, I love yeah. John and Steve yeah. so much, but I know Steve's going to have to get going. But how do you make the transition? And I know John's got some stories here too. But you know, you're on one side of a, a producing an engineer. Were you ever a musician? Any any stuff? No. Okay. I was just an engineer for ten but, years. But what sort of personality does it take to then end up on this side of this industry? Because we've talked to, and I myself, mm -hmm. you know, we're on the other side. Hey, yep. we're musicians. We're composers. We're blah yep. blah blah. Yep. You guys are on this other side, and you're like the gatekeepers. And how do you? Stay sane. With you guys are like to... corporate of the fast yeah, we, food restaurant. We call it the dark side. The, the yeah. dark side. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I joined the dark side. You know, after yeah. ten years in the recording. But you guys so. still seem pretty nice and not too jaded. <laughs> right. You know what? What does it take mentally to go? Okay, I I need to treat people with respect, but I'm also rejecting acts and people daily or yeah. whatever that looks sure. like. What have What have you learned in that process? 
man, you've got to, I think one of the key things to be on the corporate side, you have to have pretty high emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the ability, John's ability to connect with an artist, to, to find that special thing in them and draw it out on them is, is something you can't train. It's not like you can go to school and do an A and R class, you know. And if they do do an A and R class, it's useless, because so much of it is, is um, doing stuff a lot, a lot of wrong, and hurting mm-hmm. a lot of people, and then slowly coming around to, I can do this better. We mm-hmm. can do this better. We can do this better. I've, you know, in my early GM days, at other labels, I was like, I've hurt people, mm-hmm. and I'm really, really regretful of that. Because I didn't do it well, but it took a while to, at least for me, you know, to to move from the creative side, the the engineering and producing side to the. I started in A and R, so that's probably the the most creative section of a of a record label, and then slowly worked my way into marketing, and mm-hmm. and now it's like I'm an, I'm I'm weird. I I've done pretty much everything now, mm-hmm. but um, it just it takes a lot of learning and a lot of mistakes. I love to say I made a lot of mistakes on other people's money. So, when I was talking earlier about the beginning days and asking ourselves questions about how we could do things differently, yeah, uh, that certainly informs how do you say no differently? Mm-hmm. How do you say no to someone with respect and offer as much dignity as you can? Uh, and we spend a lot of time on that. You know, we probably spend more. T- I don't know this. It feels like we spend more time trying to offer respect to someone while saying your music and what we do aren't a fit for each other, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, there's way more music that you listen to that you don't sign. You know, mm-hmm. it's 95 to five or more than that. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying that thing a lot and you're always taking into context who the person is, what their personality is. And uh, and we, we take even, so that's on the beginning, on the end, ending side. When you're parting ways with someone, we spend a lot of time talking about how do we do that. That's much harder mm-hmm. uh, when you have worked with someone now for five years and mm-hmm. or ten years, whatever. And uh, it's there's a necessary ending there, you know. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to handle that in a way that makes the person that doesn't make the person feel like a failure mm-hmm. uh, or rejected in some way? Yeah. And I don't know that we we have it figured out we may never because there's a relational dynamic that's different with every person but uh mm-hmm. that we always try we keep trying you know yeah. to make that a not a, it's not going to be a good experience but one that can be meaningful mm-hmm. to, to both of us is important well i think you guys have a unique position in the music industry as a whole mm-hmm. being in a spot where you guys are trying to lead you know in in the christian music industry but trying to lead with integrity and with care and like this is more than just the music industry and how can we make money off of these people right like i mean i can tell that that's not the goal for you guys (laughs) you know like there there is something far deeper to it obviously there's the this is our job how do we make it work but really it's it's how do we pastor people, you know? How do we guide people through this? And and so that includes the people you welcome in and the people that you're like, it's just not gonna work. Uh, And I think, speaking as someone that spent almost no time in Nashville, I think that's rare. Mm. And I think that's that's special. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, 
it's, it's interesting because we I always describe John and I as the yin and yang of 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 centricity. He's the white side, the creative, the joy, the and I'm the numbers and, mm -hmm. and this strategy, you know, that type of stuff. And and if you see either side, I have a tendency to be a little too blunt, and he, he has a, and he has a tendency to. He's like a loving, he's a Ted, you know, that guy. And, yeah. And so to together, not be blunt enough is what you're trying <laughs> to say. I'm, I'm trying to be yeah, yeah. You know, I'm a little, you know, if you want the truth without, yeah, I, he, he will, he'll, he'll tell the truth, but much softer than I will. Takes me a lot longer. <laughs> yeah. And so it's been a, it's very much a trying to figure out to do things right. You know, even our, even coming up with the three core values, mm -hmm. you know, faith, relationship, and service being our support, excuse me, um, as bit, we're, we worked really hard trying to find those three words. Mm -hmm. And you'll notice relationship is our, our second most, our second uh, core value in the sense of like, this is who we are. Mm -hmm. We want to, I love to say I want to be the the Aaron or the her in the Moses's lives and hold their arms up. Yeah. I think he uses the build the platform to hold the artists up. Mm -hmm. You know, neither one of us are called to be the the leaders and the and the the to be on that stage and to be have the spotlight on us. Mm -hmm. I would actually hate that. <laughs> but um, I love to watch the people we've worked with. Mm -hmm grow into that spot. And when it doesn't work, that's the worst. Mm -hmm. That's the worst part about it. And I think asking the question, have we done everything we could mm -hmm. for this artist? You know, before we, we have the conversation of, did, do we continue working with them or not? Mm -hmm. Have we done everything? Have we felt like we can look back on it and go, I'm proud of what we tried. It didn't work, mm -hmm. but I'm proud of what we tried. Yeah, and if we're not, we're gonna try again. <laughs> yeah, we've we've done that too. You know, doing if, it now. Yeah, <laughs> it's probably yeah. gonna be a, a continual, continuing yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was one I think gift you need to get in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one gift that the Lumberies did give us is uh, working for corporate labels all those years. Both mm -hmm. of us. And this is completely understandable, but there's a, there's a that is a success-driven system, mm -hmm. a numbers-driven system, and and there's a number that represents a quarterly goal that's got to be met, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the way that system runs. And I think we both have respect for it, and and yeah. there's no shame in that. Yeah, but we're both capitalists, you know. Yeah. But uh, where that intersects the life of of an artist. Mm. is messy, really yeah. messy. So we had years of, man, I, I wish we could go again. I wish we could try again, mm. but there's no way that we would get approval to do that. You know, we've already lost too much money on this or whatever. So the Lumrys did give us the gift of like being able to try again, mm. uh, uh, maybe of the number not being the only measurement for mm. what you yeah. do next. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. And we were always under that, and we knew we were. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'm not complaining about it. And, right. And there are really good people that work in those systems. Mm -hmm. uh, but to, to, for at least there to be another option mm -hmm. of being able, we might have to make a case for it. You know, yeah. here's why we want to keep trying on like this. The but, standards that you measure success by aren't just monetary. Correct. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 If, 
he would our owner would sign everything he, he's, I hope he never sees us because he's the worst A&R guy because you know, he would he just falls in love with everybody yeah. and poor John has to go nope 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 you know but he just loves this yeah you know because music especially worship music is just feeds his soul yeah and so you know it's to come to him and go, we want to try this. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've yeah. presented a few things to him that if it was just the numbers on paper, it makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. It's like, let's try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, now, no, we, no. Should, we should say this lady I talked about in the beginning, yeah. Karen, who yeah. she, is the business person and our, our CEO. Yeah is not that way <laughs> so uh she's a numbers business person mm-hmm. so uh, the tension between sort of the heart and ministry orientation of the lumrys and the business orientation that she brings mm-hmm. there's messiness in the middle of that and, then, and we kind of live in that every day so mm-hmm. but i think it's it's been maddening at times but it's also been healthy for us mm-hmm. to give an account on both ends of that yeah. you know uh and try to do good business. And I think that's one of the reasons we started so lean. Like we, we started out of my house for mm-hmm. three or four years. Mm-hmm. There was no buying anything, you know, there was mm-hmm. just like, Karen was keeping things very measured and mm-hmm. tempered. And then as a little bit would happen, we could start to, mm-hmm. I think, I don't know how long we'd been around before we got our first office space, but oh, gosh, yeah. uh, I think there were already five or six of us still mm-hmm. meeting at my house. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So what is, what exactly is the process of, um, to do you, have to, yeah, yeah, you yeah. have to jump out. Yeah. Thanks right. for doing it this no problem. Thank you so much, Steve. Yeah. Appreciate it. It was nice yeah. meeting you. Nice meeting you too, man. Yeah. Um, so, like, what's the process of, like, vetting someone f- who is looking to, do they yeah. just have, is there an email address you have on the website where it's like, here you go, or is it more official than that? What is your process of? of- like, how we get stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would say most of the stuff that we listen to does come in through social media at some level or another. Uh, that's probably the way A&R has changed the most over the years. Mm-hmm. In the last four or five years, where A&R was always just a gut decision. Mm-hmm. Like, I believe this can be successful yep. just because I like it, mm-hmm. you know, or I think it has the elements of there's possibly a hit song in there somewhere or mm-hmm. what could become a hit song or a hit songwriter. Yeah. So uh, until the last four or five years, that's really all you had to go on was just mm-hmm. your own instinct. And then hopefully you developed a track record over time and yeah. that track record could could start to speak for itself, you know, mm-hmm. but now, um, well, the summer of 19, I was out visiting the Warner brothers, a and R team, and they have four guys. They have an A&R team of 30 people, huh. but four of those 30 and it, part of the reason it's 30 is because they divide up into genres. So they've got a hip hop team and a pop team and, you know, yeah. but, uh, four of those guys only work on what they call A&R research. Hmm. So they have programs that are proprietary to their company that just gather social media data Mm -hmm. and aggregate all those numbers and they can slice them and dice them in all kinds of ways, follow trends, look at, they're probably following a hundred artists every day Mm -hmm. to see what the graphs are doing and who's 
you know, maybe something's blowing up on Spotify or TikTok. And that's what they're using to reach out to people. So mm-hmm. one of these guys I was talking to, actually, he was telling me the story of one of the other A&R people had brought in a, an artist and a song to the A&R meeting. Mm-hmm. He was super excited about it. And in a team that big, there's a certain amount of selling you're mm-hmm. going to have to do to the rest of the team. Yep. And he was going through that, had not played the song yet. Mm-hmm. He's just like setting it up. Yep. And this guy is sitting here on his computer and just goes, nah, like, don't even play it. There's no reason. Like, there's nothing about music in yeah. what this guy is doing. It's only about numbers. Jeez. So now, you know, we have a guy that's doing that for us. We mm-hmm. don't ever want to get to that point, right. of course. But it's like, I don't even want to. Yeah. No, we'll there's, never there's, a, there's a small dehumanizing uh, element to that if you're not absolutely. careful. Absolutely. But at the same time, there's something that tells you some people are engaging with this music yeah. out there. Mm-hmm. And we need to be paying attention to that even to the degree that you may not hear it, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I get it, but mm-hmm. uh, at this point, 300,000 TikTok followers are saying they get it right. and they like it. So you're dumb not to pay attention to that. you know. Mm-hmm. So we have a research guy that is always giving us data in terms of here's what's kind of blowing up out there right now. Yeah. Uh, or, and, you know, it's typically a song. Somebody's posted a song and mm-hmm. uh, or it may be a live clip of something or s- something like that. So there's there's that piece. There's the biggest piece probably of managers, booking agents, other artists, just people in the industry mm-hmm. who I feel like it's our job to build a network with. Right. Yeah. So that when they come across an artist they think is good, they think of us. I want them to think of us. So. Mm-hmm. And metaphorically, you are building a net that catches those mm-hmm. things, but it is a network, you know, yeah. of relationships with uh, all music industry types. And so, when I have new A and R people that I'm trying to bring up, a big piece of that is just networking, relationships, building mm-hmm. trust with people, right? Yeah. Uh, and then there's the not as frequent anymore, but just I was. You know, like I've got my TikTok algorithm mm-hmm. pretty well trained mm-hmm. to just give me Christian music artists. Yeah. Um, and so I'm just surfing around. Like our newest signing, a girl named Katie Nicole uh, posted. Uh, we have an artist named Jordan Fleece who has a song mm-hmm. called The River. Mm-hmm. And she's doing a version of that in her bedroom on mm-hmm. a guitar. Hmm. And I think because I follow Jordan, the algorithm served it to me. Yeah. And... Uh, I reached out the next day because she just sounded great. And mm-hmm. a year later ended up being, you know, our, a new signing for us. So there's that piece of just mm-hmm. kind of the shoe leather on the street, just surfing yep. the Internet and seeing what's out there. Mm-hmm. So I think those are the three ways, like the research part comes to you. Yep. And Stephen, our guy, our guy who's doing that every Wednesday when we have A&R meetings, he's like, Here's what's kind of going on out there. And there's probably 50 people he's just following mm-hmm. to see what the trends are in their their Spotify numbers, their mm-hmm. uh, not just their streaming numbers, of course, but their social media numbers. Mm-hmm. And you have somebody who's really hot on Facebook and nothing's happening on Instagram, you know, and you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to figure out what's going on there. Yeah. But some combination of all that. But yeah. I would say the biggest piece of that is people telling us about something. That's fascinating. Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, John, if, if there's somebody out there listening that's 
you know, musician, uh, hey, I want to bring more numbers into my stage show, or I want to get discovered, or I want to, you know, be a recording artist, whatever. Yeah. What is a factor, I'm thinking of one of my favorite singers who, not the greatest voice, great songwriter, but great storyteller and connector between songs. And you go, man, she just connects. There's just yeah. this. So what, what's one or two attributes that you go, not enough people realize that, okay, so he's a good guitar player, good singer, good yeah. songwriter, whatever that is, but that person that stands out has what yeah. else that most people don't realize? Oh, I mm -hmm. need to be working on that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's a great question, and that's why we have this kind of posted on our website, which is basically our A and R philosophy of. There's a lot of things you're looking for, you know, in in a person or an artist or a band, but we did an an A and R offsite uh, last year and sort of boiled that down to four things that were like these are the essentials. Mm -hmm. So we can't. We could sign someone who uh, doesn't have the bigger list of things, mm -hmm. but these four things have to exist. So mm -hmm. the first one of those would be uh, a work ethic. These aren't necessarily in order of priority, but pretty close. Mm -hmm. uh, so just, just the person who expects to sign and let everybody else do the work for them, mm -hmm. that person probably will never get any traction because mm -hmm. uh, they sometimes there's the misunderstanding that, look, I've done all this work as an indie to get myself here. Yeah. Now I just need a team to do that for me. Mm -hmm. uh, that almost never works because I, I don't know. There's, there's just something about, uh, Hey, the work is about to get harder. You know, mm -hmm. you're going to have to ride in a van to El Paso and play for 30 kids in a youth group and, mm -hmm. and pack up your gear and, and drive back. Well, they haven't been doing a lot of that, you know, mm -hmm. or go on a 20 day promo trip and you're not going to always eat gluten free and, there's a, you know, you're, you're not going to sleep much. And mm -hmm. uh, there's there's a an element that a person needs to say yes uh, to and within reason, you mm -hmm. know, whatever we're asking them to do and treat it like a job. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is your new job now. And if you were showing up at you know, uh, if you were ho worked at a hotel counter, there would be certain things that are expected of you. Mm -hmm. So we have an expectations document mm -hmm. uh, that are, are basically five expectations that we walk through before. Like we're interested in the person, but we're, we haven't signed them yet. Yeah. And we want to know what their expectations are of us too, mm -hmm. you know, but the work ethic piece is a big part of those expectations. So yeah. I could talk more about that, but that's number one. The second one would be uh, songs, and this is probably this probably speaks to if the music business has a dirty little secret, it's probably this that uh, finding a great singer or band is just easy now. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the American Idol and vo the voice culture mm -hmm. has sort of exposed that there's a lot of talent out there, and now they have a means of of being out there through social media. Mm -hmm. And if you want to find a great singer, you can look for about 20 minutes and find somebody. Mm -hmm. A great song, that's what everybody is looking for and no one can find. Mm. Uh, so the great song is the connector between the voice or the carrier mm -hmm. and the audience, right? Yeah. Uh, you could make an argument that 
the artist doesn't need to be able to be that great mm -hmm. if the song is that great. Mm. But the song is what lives on. It's what, you know, how many people know the song, but they have no idea who the artist is. I mean, that happens right. all the time. Yep. So um, I would say most of our developmental work is about songs. Mm -hmm. And for somebody to show up in this town with a couple of great songs in their pocket, they don't have to worry about getting heard like labels will find them and come to them mm -hmm. uh, so that's number two uh i think number three would be um the word is uniqueness but there's a qualification to that uh, mm -hmm. so obviously you don't want to just sign something that sounds like everything else out there even if it's good yeah but at the same time every era has its sound mm -hmm. in every format, right? Mm -hmm. You turn on the 90s channel of Sirius XM mm -hmm. and you hear a sound yep. that defined that era. Mm -hmm. And it, every era has, every format has had that. And right now there's a sound mm -hmm. in pop music. There's a sound in country. There's a sound in hip hop. There's certainly a sound in CCM. And that's what listeners like right now. Mm -hmm. So the trick is to make sure there is that sound being covered, but you're overlaying what you hope is the uniqueness of that artist mm -hmm. on top of that sound. Mm -hmm. So when people are like, it just sounds all, all that, you know, you hear this about country music all the time and it mm -hmm. all sounds the same. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. Most all hip hop sounds the same. Most all CCM sounds the same. Mm -hmm. And it's because people are chasing the sound of that era. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense or it, not. Oh, yeah, 100%. So we're looking for someone that I think can sound like that right now, but mm -hmm. also be unique inside of it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's just a lot of experimenting, right? And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of trying to find the song, the sound, the style that gets in the stream of what's going on right now, but also says, this doesn't sound like everything else that's in the stream. Yeah. And that can take a couple of years of experimentation or what we would call development, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so there's that. And then, um, you know, the fourth would just be the fit. Mm -hmm. um, centricity has a culture. It has a feel. It has a team that we've built around that culture. Mm -hmm. And, Early on, one of the things I felt like was important and sort of our foundation is uh, who the person is, is probably more important than what they do. Mm -hmm. Both are important, but this is probably more important. There's a kind of person, or if it's a band, a kind of people that fits us. Mm -hmm. So if that's true, then we need to be aware that we could find someone who's really great. Mm -hmm. and that someone is going to sign, but they don't fit here, and we need to be okay with that. Mm -hmm. And so as we've come across that in the last, I don't know, it's probably happened four or five times yeah. where the person got signed and actually went on to do well. Mm -hmm. We had to sort of talk ourselves off that ledge. Like, right. Right? like we made this decision for a reason, mm -hmm. and that reason is part of our DNA, mm -hmm. that who the person is is more important than what they do. And we're going to be happy with that, right? Mm -hmm. And we're going to miss some things because of that. Yeah. So that fourth one is not something you can make any determination on. The other three kind of are. Like, you can pretty early on 
get a feel for somebody's work ethic, mm -hmm. even while they're still indie, you know? Yeah. Songs are easy to determine. Mm -hmm. Is the person, ha does it, they have any gifting for writing? Right. The uniqueness thing sometimes takes some figuring out, but sometimes it just shows up immediately. Yeah. But the fit, that's going to take some time. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, that's one of the reasons we do this retreat. Mm -hmm. The retreat is an awesome, it's five days. It's up in the middle of nowhere, kind of the foothills of the Cascades, a beautiful place, but there's no real place to go. We're going to hang out together for a week. Right. We're going to eat all our meals together. Are you still do you still do that? Yes. We, the last one we did though was in 18 Okay. because 20 was the next one. And we of course didn't do it. Right. We tried to do it again this year and could not get everybody on the same page with the COVID stuff. So mm. we're hoping again to do it next year. Yeah. yeah. But it's a big part of, of what we do. And we've really missed not mm -hmm. having them yeah. because of this, this reason, like, uh, we have invited artists that, you know, we're inviting people that are on our radar already at some level. Yeah. But we have invited people that at the end of the retreat, we were like, we would never work with that person. And we're so glad they were here because mm -hmm. how long would that have taken us to find out yeah. by going to lunch? You know, they, they live in Dallas and we're here and mm -hmm. they either got to come here or us go out there. That's going to take a couple of years to yeah. get a sense. There's a piece of it's almost like dating, right? Like right. when you first meet each other, everybody's got their best face on and yeah. uh, you're, you're trying your, your best to present your best self. Mm -hmm. And by self as an organization, I mean your best organizational self mm -hmm. and their best artist self. Mm -hmm. You got to get past that, you yeah. know, and with different people that, that takes different amount of times, but mm -hmm. that's a long winded answer to your question. But no, uh, that was, that those was are sort long. of the four things yeah. that are the most important to us. Yeah. And that, that retreat, I mean, maybe that's something that happens in other places and wasn't like your unique idea, but I've never heard of that before. Yeah. No, I don't think there are writing retreats, like just pure songwriting retreats. Yeah. Uh, I've been on one of those but before. Honestly, we did not use the retreat as an A&R tool for mm -hmm. quite a while. Like we finally got smarter about who we were inviting. <laughs> and uh, but at, at first, honestly, it was from the Lumrys just sort of a way to bless mm -hmm. some independent artists and encourage them, mm -hmm. blow some wind in their sails and send them on their way. And yeah. that's awesome to get to do. Yeah. But while we're doing that, could we be a little more strategic about who we're inviting? Mm -hmm. At least invite some people we're interested in and want to get to know better. How big are these? Were those retreats? It's about typically? twenty artists total. So okay. that's some combination of bands, solo, mm -hmm. sometimes duets or vocal groups. You know, right. but about a total of twenty people, and then our whole staff goes up. Mm -hmm. So there's twenty-three of us now. So then we bring up session leaders and uh, some professional songwriters. Huh. So there's about 50 of us by the time cool. everybody gets up there. Uh, and we, we have always tried to sort of model the head, hands and heart thing. Like, so we, mm -hmm. we want people to leave with a better understanding of just how the industry works. What, what does a label do? What does a manager do? Yeah. What does a booking agent do? And we bring up people to lead sessions on those kinds of things. Yeah. And then there's a, there is a songwriting component. We bring writers up and most of the afternoons are just co-writing with professional writers. Mm -hmm. But that's as much about learning how to be a better writer mm -hmm. than, you know, which usually happens just by writing with people better than you. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. And we have, uh, we've had people like Lauren that had never written a song in their life. And then we've had people that 
the professional writers have come out of the room and gone, that guy's a better songwriter than me. Huh. You know, so that happens too, and that that's neat. And then there's more of a a pastoral or spiritual growth component to it, where mm. uh, you know it's it's a very messy proposition to try to combine business and ministry and art. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think those things go together very well. Yeah. Anybody that's ever worked in a church and kind of, you know, seeing how the sausage gets made mm-hmm. will go, ugh. And certainly that's true for any sort of ministry that is also a business. Mm-hmm. So I think we're all those things and we live in the tension of trying to hold them together. Yeah. And every artist is a microcosm of that because they're kind of trying to do the same thing. I mean, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to make a living at this and pay their car payment yeah. you know, by either writing songs or playing gigs or something that brings in some money. Mm-hmm. The the heart or ministry aspect of it is important and mm-hmm. has some eternal value to it. I mean, that's a big deal. You yeah. Know? I was actually going to ask, what yeah. has been in the course of all of this existing one of the hardest things about carrying the weight of, and you're probably not like the top person technically if, there was, if you were to draw it out, but like yeah. this was your child right yeah, your your um your passion and like what has been has there been a weight associated with that as you like as other people of course jump on like i've felt that with just you know my small company that has existed for a year and yeah. ben is the only person that's like really working with me but i as i think about who i'm gonna hire and how things are gonna grow there's a there's like a weight that comes to that yeah is that something that you felt as well oh so much yeah the weight of being sort of the keeper of the values and the mission and mm-hmm. who we said we were in the beginning mm-hmm. and also the weight of knowing when to let go of that stuff. Right. I don't know if mm. you experienced that, but, uh, maybe that was an important value for us when we were a team of three and had one artist, Yeah. but now we have 15 artists and a staff of 22. That value doesn't work so much anymore. Hmm. Uh, I think the mission is, is everlasting. Yeah. Like that's what we're going to be about. That's the reason we show up to work every Mm -hmm. day. And it always will be as long as there's a centricity, other aspects I have had to learn to shift around with. So we're, there's never going to be the same dynamic with five people as there are with 25. Yeah. And people are going to come. I mean, we've had people work here that weren't believers, Mm -hmm. uh, when we started, Mm -hmm out of this incredible sort of ministry objective. Yeah. That's a weird thing. Mm-hmm. But I also have to learn to let go of some of the control of that. Like mm-hmm. that could be an awesome thing not to have a believer. They see the world with different eyes than yeah. we do, right? So maybe the bigger burden has been to know what to let go of mm-hmm. and what to sort of be stubborn about, you know, and continue to drive home even with new people. Like this is why we exist. Yeah. Uh, these are who the Lumrys are. You've never even met the Lumrys. You don't know any of these stories, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel the responsibility to be the dot connector mm-hmm. to, uh, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story that I always tell new staff members. Yeah. Um, so the very first retreat we ever had, there was a guy named Mar- Michael Ford and all, who's a singer songwriter out in Dallas. And maybe we were into the second or third day and, uh, I've never put on a retreat. I don't know what I'm doing, you know, but mm. we're hacking our way through it. And he comes up and said, Hey, Hey John, who, 
where do you know where the janitor guy is? Uh, they said to let you know when, let him know when there's we're out of water. We're out of water in our cabin. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I know there's no janitor guy up there, but I'm like, describe who you're talking about. And he starts describing Mr. Lumry, huh. uh, because he was the one going around saying, what can I get you? Do you need anything? Cleaning up the water bottles, straightening things up, mm. serving these artists that had shown up there who had no idea. I'm like, Michael, that guy you're describing, he owns this place. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that was sort of a neat revelation to be able to go, if we can keep that as an organization, yeah. as we grow and get bigger, mm-hmm. that's part of our DNA. We never want to, that's worth fighting for. Yeah. Some of these other things aren't worth fighting for, and mm-hmm. I need to figure out how to let go of them. And obviously, if it wasn't clear when S- Steve was here, I did bring him on. Mm-hmm. Now he's my boss. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a, a, a very right uh, and organized way of organizing things mm-hmm. that needed to keep me focused on A&R, yeah. which is my strength if I have one. Mm-hmm. And he's much better at business and organizational stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was a right and good thing, but I had to let go of a lot of stuff, right? To yeah. do that. But of course, fortunately, St- Steve is number two. He goes way back to those mm-hmm. other times too. So I think that's the way I would answer that question. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, Kurt, final call. Any questions? Oh, this has been great. I'm glad I wrangled you into this. Yeah, thank you. Thank who you. Is, who's watching? Who's watching? So right now, the, the audience is smaller. Okay. So this has been, uh, for the record, started July of this year. Yeah. And we shot eight episodes in the studio that I, I run back in Island Lake. Awesome. Um, many of which were just friends that I had that were helping me get it on its feet. Yeah. Uh, a couple other people were organic, like local artists and stuff that I brought in. Um, and as I connected with Kurt and we kind of cast vision for what it could look like to, to yeah. grow it, this idea for season two coming out to Nashville uh, has been that. So so it's still it's still in its early well, stages. Sure, not, not so much the size, but do you have any idea of who the people are the that people are, are watching? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a combination of um, you know friends that have have seen the vision for what I'm doing for a while and have been trying to support it. Yeah. Um, and the the network of artists that I've started to try to create, um, either by using this show as a means to do it or yeah. um, that I've produced music for and then I've come into the studio. It's been kind of a combination of those two. Okay. Um, so there's some there's some independent artists and stuff. Most of the people I've worked with so far have been independent artists, singer-songwriter types, then it has been full bands. So Makes sense. Got some of those as well. Well, let me, I'll, I'll leave us then with a couple of uh, borrowed tidbits. How's that? Please, yeah. Uh, uh, a guy who uh, I had the just the grace from God to be mentored by for just a short time before he passed away, a guy named Bob McKenzie. But he left me with a couple of things that I still preach to these day, to this day. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of them, which I, I think has maybe even more application now than when he told me years ago. Yeah. But he had this theory that you, you live along a line of preparation until it intersects a line of opportunity. Mm. So for any aspiring artist, writer, engineer, uh, chef, it's true for anybody, you know, that you are doing what you can do, even though you're not even sure where that's going, right? There's sort of a a blindness to, 
I, I, f I have these gifts stirring in me. Uh, I, I, let's say you are an independent artist. I'm not sure what this is for, where it's going, mm -hmm. but I want to do what I can do to get better at it uh, as on my own. So, you know, you read books, you build relationships, you go to coffee with people, you write songs, mm -hmm. you do the work, and that's all living on the line a preparation that is going to intersect a line that you have nothing to do with. Mm -hmm. That's just sort of God's job, right? When yeah. that line intersects and you want to be as prepared for that as you can be. But we use the metaphor around here a lot of our job is to put the best seed in the ground that we can. Mm -hmm. And we want to work hard to do that mm -hmm. and sort of be faithful scatterers of this seed. Yeah. But we cannot bring the fruit up. Right. We can't make something come out of the ground. We can't make a Lauren Daigle happen mm -hmm. after that seed is in the ground. We, we just, you water and you cultivate, but if fruit comes up, that's the line. It got intersected, right? Mm -hmm. You just never know when you're going to get a call to sit down with the guy who runs Word Records and literally said to me, I'm going to have to hire an A&R guy, and I, I think you'd be good at it. Yeah. I'd... This was pre-Google. Mm -hmm. I did not know what A&R meant, mm -hmm. but I didn't want to be so uncool as to ask him what it meant. <laughs> so I had to leave that breakfast and go call some people yeah. and ask what A&R meant, this thing that this guy thought I would be good at. Right. I didn't even know what it was, right. but I faked my way through the rest of the conversation. You know, <laughs> uh, So that was my line of opportunity. And of course, mm -hmm. there have been, there were some before and since, but yeah. one that was life-changing. So... Uh, let me then build on that to say there's an awesome metaphor in, in Matthew for those who are interested in any, you know, anything in, in the Bible uh, that is called the parable of the talents. Christians mm -hmm. are familiar with it, but where there's a master who doles out talents, mm -hmm. which was probably money or seed or something like that. I think we can use it as literal talent in our day, you know, mm -hmm. uh, three different people, uh, he gave them different amounts of talent left, and then he was going to come back for them to give an account. The first guy, which I can so relate to, mm -hmm. uh, he comes back to the master and said, I know you're a peculiar master, uh, but uh, I didn't want anything to happen with what you gave me, so I buried it, and look, I'm giving it back to you just like you gave it to me. Mm -hmm. In other words, I, I took care of it. Look, it's mm -hmm. nothing happened to this. Mm -hmm. And it's not good news for that guy. Yeah. The other two, and I love that one was given less and one was given more. Mm -hmm. They both basically went to work with what they were given. Yeah. And brought, made some more with what they were given and brought that back. And the master was pleased, even with the one that brought back less because he was given less. Mm-hmm. There seemed to be no differentiation there. Yeah. They both got the same response. Well done. You did what I was asking you to do. You took what I gave you and you made more with it. Yeah. So maybe living on that line of preparation is a daily asking of yourself, even if you're not a Christian, what am I doing today with what I was given? Mm -hmm. How can I be a good steward over what I've been given and and make it better than it was last week? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and I promise if you put some thought to that, you'll come up with 40 things you can do, right? Mm -hmm. Some of them may seem really impossible, but if you make a list uh, of, you know, I need, there's 
there's 15 unfinished songs in my voice memo. I'm going to finish two of those this week. That's living on the line of preparation. It's Mm -hmm. becoming a more disciplined person who, uh, who wants to get out to work. And I guarantee you, you know, Steve Jobs had this mantra that, that true artists ship. In, In other words, he, he looked at his engineers as artists and I, and they, that's probably good. They probably were, Yeah. but it, this phone, this thing you're designing, it doesn't matter if somebody can't use it, if it doesn't go out to someone mm. to, to never finish or complete or show some of the work that you've done. Yeah. Well, what's it for? Mm-hmm. You know, is it for your own self gratification? Mm-hmm. No, there's, there's a lot of work to do in living on that line of preparation and just finishing some of the work you've started. Yeah. Cause that's, that's where the courage comes in. Yeah. Right. That's cool. When you finish something, you've got to come to terms with your own level of gifting. Mm-hmm. And that's very hard for creatives to do. Yeah. Can I get a witness? Amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. That's good yeah. advice. Oh, and thank you for, I mean, honestly, just taking time out of your data to come and hey, talk. It was a joy to do. And I would do anything for this guy. Dude, he's no, pretty great. Okay, pretty not great. anything. Yeah. I mean, I know you better sure than that, John. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. Well, thank you for your time. We appreciate it, and yeah. we will see you guys next time. Sounds good. This is our first outside shoot. Let's hope it stays quiet. Yeah, let's hope. <laughs> I mean. Uh,